0: Hey, Adam.
1: Yes, Mike.
0: Do you know of any flywheels that are available on the island of Japan?
1: <laughs> you sound like someone who's had to listen to slash watch one too many Nick Khan slash Endeavor slash Mitch Man presentations over the past four or five days.
0: Hey, hey, don't you dare harsh my robust feelings, sir. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the natural non-corporate speak that I'm sure you've been bathing in over the past four or five days.
0: Oh, between that and the slime, it's it's something special, folks. Yeah, yeah. I have, uh, unfortunately, I will start off this edition of, uh, God, I almost said the PPH because that's how scrambled I am, but I will start off this edition of the Big Audio Nightmare by admitting to you No, I have not seen every event that has taken place in the last week during WrestleMania because of Nick Khan and Ari Emanuel and Vince McMahon's mustache and everything else related to Endeavor buying WWE. And I don't know if we are going to catch any strays off of that during this broadcast because there are names like you know Dakota Kai who were looking to go back to Japan who ended up back in WWE and you know there's a lot of things including Jay White showing up in AEW as opposed to WWE and the fact of the matter is it seemed like that that was uh, I want to say a last-minute decision but it's only been within the last couple of weeks where that decision was made by Jay White and did vince mcmahon coming back on board or any instability
1: instability have anything to do with that well, i the, guess the we're most going obvious, to, have to find out the most obvious uh, and obviously not an answer to that but the most obvious hint that this was not something that was uh, all that long planned would be that we just went through this whole thing with jay white in new japan which culminated him first losing a loser leaves japan match to hikaleo and then losing a loser leaves new japan pro wrestling as a whole Uh, match to Eddie Kingston, if he had been planning on going to AEW the whole time with the relationship between the two companies, there certainly would not have been any need, or I don't think any thought of that, uh, that strictly writing him out of new Japan pro wrestling. So yeah, I would say certainly if you go back to what was that the 16th or the 18th, whatever that was of February uh, battle in the Valley, I I would think at the very least at that time, Everyone was un- under the impression that that, uh, that Jay White was going to WWE.
0: A multi-year contract uh, that was put uh, in place ahead of WrestleMania 39, according to Fightful. And uh, uh, along the way, this is a quote from the Fightful Select post. Along the way, we're told that Triple H and William Regal both showed interest. However, WWE higher-ups said that the company failed to communicate properly along the process before noting that AEW landing him over WWE could have been a product of Vince McMahon's return and the lack of main roster hires since then. There were communications between Jay White and both WWE and AEW. There were even tentative creative plans made for Jay White and WWE. While higher-ups knew the time was taking on getting a deal done, There were some in the company as of last week that were hoping WWE still landed him, which didn't happen. So there it is, uh, at least from the mouths of Fightful Select and the sources that they had And on the surface. Just looking at that. Well, that makes complete sense to
1: me. (laughs) No reason to doubt anything there. It 100 percent makes sense. And it's, it's very easy to see how. Jay White in a WWE largely led by Triple H creative would have an easier path to main event or you know a featured status than he would in AEW just because of the glut of people in AEW and the relative lack of TV time available as compared to WWE but given that that's not the reality we're living in and the reality we're living in is a mustache Vince McMahon for all intents and purposes, back at the creative home of WWE, I don't think there's anyone that could, you know, really uh, credibly argue that Jay White would have a clearer path to being a featured/slash main event performer in that version of WWE than at least being a, a solid mid card to upper mid card guy in AEW.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see with it being a multi-year deal, and obviously that still could open him up to working in New Japan or, or going you know, to Revolution Pro or, or whatever he would want to do. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see, once it's over, how he did, because I think with Triple H in charge, I would have been far more... Look, I I guess Triple H is running creative anyway, but I felt far more confident in him going to WWE than I did in AEW from the look of being a star because, you know, if Finn Balor, I look at AJ Styles and again, it has not been a perfect path for them in WWE. But I think there were a lot of people that thought they would fail miserably going in there, especially with Finn Balor having an accent and this and that. And then he got hurt almost right off the bat after he won the title. And there were, you know, and he still, he
1: was almost completely phased out. Like it's hard. It's easy to forget that now with him leading judgment day, but there's a not insignificant period of time where he was basically a non entity, even when he was healthy there. That's that's true. And again, then they
0: came up with the there was the whole demon character and that revival and all that sort of stuff that came from that. But, you know, I really thought, okay, match quality wise, obviously he's better off in AEW, but I thought he could really be a big star in WWE. I want to say, look, certainly not Roman, but he could certainly make it to right underneath that level where essentially Everybody else always ends up landing anyway. Oh, exactly,
1: it's a very it's a very small number of people that are actually main eventers uh, in in WWE. But I mean, I, I think the point with with Jay White is very valid because you look at his character in New Japan Pro Wrestling, and it was largely Gato finding a guy to be his I don't know 2000 to 2005 Triple H. Like the characters are extremely similar. Maybe Jay White was a little more unhinged as time went by uh, as a character, but he, for all intents and purposes, was Gato's Triple H.
0: Yeah, I mean, I could, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, somebody's probably trying to do a one-to-one right now and and, and trying to bury you for it. But
1: I, I, I yeah, I would be surprised if they could. I mean, you, you look at the way it was. It was the whole idea that he was the guy that was smarter than everyone else in the room. He was the guy that was pushing everyone's buttons, making things happen. The entire promotion sort of revolved around him as this megalomaniacal heel character. You know, I I see a lot of parallels between that and Triple H. I certainly... Great point. uh, Every time
0: he lost, it was always somebody else's fault. You know, there was always, you know, oh, why me, you
1: know, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, you know. (laughs) He He showed a bit more, as a character, particularly as time went on closer to the end of his New Japan run, he showed more of a range of emotion and more, like, vulnerability in terms of cracking a bit under the pressure but the idea of who he was supposed to be i don't think was was too largely detached uh from you know sort of if you want to call it the peak triple h character for better or worse and i'd argue for worse are Uh, you okay are you okay
0: with a with what looks to be a bullet club faction on the AEW roster. I mean, they, cause it, it obviously they went right back into him and juice Robinson and bullet yeah. club was said over and over again. So this is not, you know, it just looks like they are going to be the American affiliates. And I, I don't know about that as the the thing grows, you know, if guys are coming in because they happen to be in and okay, that's how you're going to align them. Cool. I'm not sure if, if I'm looking for a, a bullet club, ex, you know, America expansion, um, rather than just seeing, you know, maybe Juice, uh, Jay White, and maybe somebody else kind of do their own thing running roughshod?
1: Yeah, I, I kind of am with you. I'm of the opinion that this is going to be kind of a, a transitional thing. Um, I, I would be surprised if it's full fledged Jay White leading an AEW Bullet Club for six months or a year. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a very similar group or he, you know, he he. Alliance with somebody I did think it was interesting that you know they did not do the usual too sweet sign they had a sort of new uh bullet club sort of hand gesture that they both did um I would like to see it be something different um just we've seen that from Jay White over and over and over again even if it is I'm not overly concerned because it's clearly I an mean, AEW is such a large company and there's so many different things happening with different groups and factions it's never going to be like it was where it was just so overwhelming and all-encompassing in New Japan that it kind of swallowed other things up to the detriment, uh, I think, of the product. I mean, I would love to see it be a smaller group, or maybe even the, you know, a triumvirate of let's say, uh, you know, Jay White, Juice Robinson, and just to throw a name out there that probably doesn't seem like it would fit, Swerve Strickland, who they're certainly looking to do something different with after the failure of the Mogul Affiliates and. Parker, Boudreaux, and uh, Trench. So I don't know. There's a lot of different ways it could go, but I certainly think that, again, it's going to be hard for Jay White to break through and get into the main event scene. Um, I can't fathom him falling to the wayside like some other guys have. Um, We'll see, but I think he's a strong enough character and there's enough cachet there that I think he's going to be a guy you're going to see pretty regularly. And, you know, if nothing else be in that you know, international title, TNT title sort of uh, slotting in the company.
0: I wonder if Rick Ross could be Bullet Club, come over with Swerve <laughs> there. But, uh, you know, the only just thing one. that didn't fail about that group. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's that's true. Trench. And although I got to say this, and this is no, I don't ever want to ishi- wish an injury on anybody. But from a fan point of view, I got to be honest, Trench and Parker Bordeaux uh, going on the disabled list so that saved us from any more of Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland, I'm good with it. I'm, I'm good, <laughs> well, I'm with, with, good all with all of that. i good
1: having to see Parker Boudreaux wrestle again. That tag <laughs> match with him uh, and Swerve against Keith Lee and Dustin Rhodes, I haven't seen too many people look worse uh, that actually have been around for a while. Uh, there Parker was a Boudreaux. reason WWE let him go. Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> just some people that they may have a look, but they just don't have aptitude for this stuff, and unfortunately... Uh, for how, how however good of an athlete he is outside of professional wrestling it's just not there for parker pedro and i desperately this will stop doing the aew edition of this podcast <laughs> right now uh, but i desperately want to see swerve strickland in a main event he'll roll in aew he's one of the most entertaining guys there he checks all the boxes Um, and yeah, want to see a lot more from him, but in any event,
0: he's a, a, he's a heel to me until he recognizes the BRP top 50, but that's a, that's a story for a different day. I
1: I have no, I think I understand flywheels more than I understand what you just talked about.
0: (laughs) Hey, do you understand this though? Clark Connors, uh, officially signed, uh, with new Japan for one year, at least that's what
1: also was reported. So uh, saw the fightful report on that as well. And that's good news, particularly given um, you know, what what had happened with uh, good old Eddie Thorpe himself, Carl Fredericks. And I tell you what,
0: though, he and I know you don't watch NXT. I walked, don't. He walked into NXT and immediately you could see the difference of somebody who was trained in New My, Japan and in that dojo as <laughs> opposed to me,
1: you're telling me that Katsuri Shibata does a better job training professional wrestlers than the performance center. I, hey, I'm look, shocked. they 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 do a good job in their own way, and you know I, I'm not gonna to do that. Get in. I that, will. But they it, suck. <laughs> it's been an utter disaster, a failure. The WWE Performance Center.
0: You got Bianca. You got uh. You got well. I yeah. forget that. Look, that
1: falls into the broken <laughs> pockets right twice a day category.
0: But I mean, I'd, look, Clark Connors, I you know, obviously like him a lot. And, you know, Carl Fredericks, you know, he was frustrated. I think more, you know, the G1 is the thing that everybody points to. I think
1: there no, was more he, than well, everyone to be clear, everyone points to that. Because Carl Fredericks made a big freaking public deal about it. No one <laughs> would have pointed to it if he hadn't made such a big deal. And I, I love Carl Fredericks. I'm super high on the guy as a wrestler, but he, uh, he had the shovel in the dirt and then... Kind of put himself in there with that whole deal.
0: Well, it shined a big light on it, but there may have been some other things creeping around in the background, too, that led to his frustrations and and maybe vice versa there. But, you know, that core of young guys that they do have there that are no longer dojo guys. And this is interesting as well, too, because Kevin Knight, you know, DKC, these guys are graduated. So it's yeah, going to be interesting to see what the next group comes from and, and how, you know, how this works.
1: Yeah, we don't really have any L.A. Dojo Young Lions, at least, that we're aware of at this point, um, you know, kicking around on whatever New Japan, uh, New Japan, U.S. shows still exist or on on U.S. tours. There really isn't. That's a really good point. We don't, you know, uh, Kevin Knight kind of halfway through, uh uh, a, a tour earlier i guess it would have been the junior tag league at the end of last year like halfway through he graduated and got different gear and uh he looks like he's gonna be getting a junior tag title shot along with kushida and then yeah dkc uh, sort of as well so yeah, i feel like what's going on at the la dojo right now in general is kind of shrouded in mystery like we know shibata re-signed he won the roh pure title Uh, He's As we speak, as we record this, he's on ROH TV right now wrestling Christopher Daniels. Um, And then there's the whole New Japan Academy deal, which is being led apparently by Kushida and Fred Rosser, which is different from the way the LA Dojo proper has been running prior to that, in that it's more of a, I guess, kind of like a finishing school than really a full-fledged, you know, being trained from the ground up or being broken down and restarted. It's more of a, you know... It seems like it's more of a an extended series of seminars, maybe, than a full-on training school. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what, if any, uh, new generation L.A. Dojo graduates we have, or L.A. Dojo Young Lions, I should say, coming up.
0: Well, they go to there to figure, figure out exactly mm-hmm. where they find that hard camera and all that other stuff too. <laughs> what you know is that, and I make a little bit of a joke about that, it's actually the, one of the best things you can do. Obviously, you know, you're trying to teach these guys basics, you know, to have levels. This is one of the things with with AEW. It's like I cannot believe at this point they don't have a a legitimate uh a legitimate rotation, a legitimate solar system of Training and I know the nightwear factory went, you know. I don't Oh,
1: Did we lose Mike? I do not hear you, Mike. Out vengeance on the big audio nightmare for some reason last night. So, <laughs> with that, let's, let's naturally. <laughs> Literally, naturally. Um, let's try to get back to what we were going to do. Um, this will, and I know we say it all the time, it's going to be a short show, and then it's three hours, that this will be a bit shorter show due to all of that. But uh, as we were talking about, Jay White, clearly a part of that, was talking about New Japan Pro Wrestling, and New Japan actually has stuff of their, uh, of their own going on this week, including two shows this past weekend at quirk and hall all leading into the big Sakura genesis show coming up at sumo hall this weekend uh if you're listening before the show this will seem like a preview if you're listening after you can use it to grade us and say whether we are right or wrong about anything that we're talking about right now.
0: Yeah, and apparently, too, I backed the wrong horse. At the beginning of the show, talked about how busy it was doing everything that had nothing to do relating to Japanese wrestling with all the WWE stuff going on. So I had to try to squeeze in matches to watch, and I decided to flip the coin. And I went with the Road to Sakura Genesis show on April 3rd at Corican Hall that had the never-open-weight six-man title match on it. And the reason I did that was I saw the 35-minute length of Hinare and Shingo and thought, you know what? Shingo is really good at this stuff, and he's like gotten me back around a little bit to the KOPW title, but you know what? Nah. And apparently, I was dead
1: wrong. You were, unfortunately for you. This match was awesome. Shingo Takagi, Aaron Hanare, the ultimate triad match for the provisional KOPW 2023 on April 2nd at Corken and Hall. Uh, you said it. It was not a short match. It went, I believe, just over 38 minutes. Yeah, 38-15. Uh, but like you said, the KOPW under the, uh, under the helm, I guess you could say, of Shingo Takagi has been much better and far different than... Uh, The joke of a title that it's been for the majority of its existence. The rules here were certainly unique, as they always are for KOPW title matches. But this one, it was, you needed to win three different ways to win the match. You had to get a pinfall, you had to get a submission, and you had to get a TKO, a 10-count opponent down sort of deal here. And for a match that went 38-15 and a match that, was slow to develop as it started. It never felt long. I I was shocked uh, when, as they were doing the time calls, and we got towards the end of this match, it was 35 minutes in because it did not feel that way. It was paced very well, very differently. Like, I would go so far as to say and I don't know how many people would agree. But for me, this is one of the best matches I've seen in the first, you know, four months of, uh, or three months, I guess, and change of pro wrestling in 2023 just a really really different match by far the best match of hinari's career it just again shows how versatile shingo takagi is in that you know i don't you would necessarily think a match that's built around submissions and knockouts uh, for a large part of it would be something that would be in shingo's wheelhouse as much as just a straight up wrestling match but this was he was actively the main reason this was so good
0: they mixed it up during the New Japan Cup, which obviously led to this. And it, that was a good match as well, too. And Hanare, when you look at him, boy, he looks like a star, you know, he, because of his size, because of his look. And it's just OK. How well can he continue to develop there? And in the last year, I mean, he traveled to RevPro. You know, he wrestled Ricky Knight there. He had a you know, he's had good matches with Godot and Zack Sabre Jr. And he's, you know, come along very well now with the United Empire being such a loaded unit. You know, it's interesting. It will be interesting to see how much he stands out this year and how much he is able to develop by the time we get to the G1, because. Boy, this is a this is a good time to do it. If you know, again, we're talking about all the young people with New Japan, all the, and I wouldn't even say young, but you know, as far as you know, that their time is kind of now. You know, he's really at the top of that
1: list. Yeah, he's one of them for sure, and it's it's another indication, which we talked about on last week's show, of just how much different stuff, how many different things New Japan is throwing at the wall right now and trying, whether it be, you know, Aaron Hanare getting a push or, you know, TMDK growing into having Robbie Eagles as part of it, or, you know, show to Umino, just five guys, all these different things that they're doing. Fletcher and Davis. Yeah, 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 exactly. There's so many things happening right now that, you know, some are better than others, but a lot is different and there's, you know, there's an opportunity for guys to stand out. In particular with Hanare, we talked about it previously, how, like, Shingo is sort of his wall that he's been trying to get past. And he had the the victory in the New Japan Cup. And the next thing sort of on that trajectory is, at some point, Hinare beating Shingo Takagi for a championship. Like, if I had to guess, whenever Aaron Hinare does win a title, when he wins his first title in New Japan, it will be over Shingo Takagi, whatever that championship is.
0: And then the man to take it from him will be Oleg Bolton.
1: Oh, yeah, that's... Uh... Oof, I don't know about that I, I still have I have high hopes for Oleg Bolton slash Bol, uh, Bolton Oleg however they decide to call him at this point but man that that debut match was rough he like physically he has such a presence he looks incredible but man he was either terrified or nervous or needs a lot more work before we see him again. There was a point in this match where time stood still as Shota Umino is in the ring, somewhat near his corner. Bolton Oleg decides to go into the ring to try to tag Shota Umino. He's inside of the ring, and he's reaching out for the tag. And you can see Umino like, what the hell is going on? And this happens three or four times in the span of, like, it felt like 10 minutes, but it couldn't have been more than five (laughs) seconds before uh, Oleg finally sheepishly goes back out to the apron and then is, like, kneeling on the apron and is trying to tag him, like, between the first and middle rope and then realizes, (laughs) oh, I can't do that either. Then gets up and finally makes the tag in a somewhat normal style and gets into the ring and hits some awkward stuff. I I, I still have very high hopes for him, but man, this was uh, not a polished debut by any stretch. It's one
0: of those times where you go back and you think about Kurt Angle or Jack Briscoe, and you go, man, yeah, they really were special (laughs) as far as aptitude getting into this thing. You know, with Eugene Nagata not being around, who would be a good tag partner to stick with him all of the time? Because obviously Nakanishi and and you think of some of the veterans that would fulfill that role. They just, I you know, they just. I, one, I don't necessarily want to see them take somebody else's spot on the card. They could also do that, but also as well, you know, they they are in this day and age. They I don't want to say they are too old, but like hey, you know, well, being there's far gotta be down somebody for the
1: most part. All those guys are. You know, uh, Nagata spending all his time in all Japan right now. Kojima is going to be in the champion carnival. So he's not around. You know, Tenzan is, you know, is really not capable at this point. I mean, I would say if no one else is around, probably uh, Makabe. That's a good, that's, yes. Actually, that is a really, that's a really good
0: thought because, again, if he can go at least on a semi-regular basis and it's not like he's not out there, you know, again, he gets caught in the shuffle of the amount of names and and people that they're trying to put in there. But, yeah, I think he would be a great person not only to teach him the, you know, (laughs) basics of being out there but also working on his personality because, again, Makabe, one of the more legendary Uh, switches in temperament, you know, when he became the beast. uh, Oh God, what is that now? It's, it feels like what, 15 years.
1: Yeah. It's been at least 15 years when he went from being just Shinya Makabe guy that felt like he was going to be career mid Carter with no trajectory to Togi Makabe. He got that sword play going and it changed everything.
0: I just, where are the iron fingers at? Maybe they can break those back out. There you for, go. Uh, <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe, maybe we could get uh, Takashi come back with the iron fingers. That um, maybe until he learns to stand on the apron to make a tag, Bolton Oleg has to wear the iron fingers at all times.
0: They got to wrap it up to the tag rope. But yeah. Yes, <laughs>
1: yes exactly. <laughs> got to make sure he understands. Uh, it was just, again, he'll be fine, I'm sure. But it's just something that in 35-plus years of watching professional wrestling, including the highest of highs as far as major promotions and the lowest and lows in terms of really shitty indies, I've never seen a wrestler not be able to grasp that you have to be on the apron to make a tag and that you can't tag in while you are in the ring. So. Uh, we'll see how he recovers from that.
0: His CMLL excursion ought to be something. He's just ready to jump in there on the lucha tag Rolls. but
1: uh, God, he'll be so confused coming back. I'll have to be, <laughs> be far away from that for a while.
0: On the, on the show on the third, I thought the six-man tag title match was again there was no reinvention of the wheel here or anything like that, but I just thought it was a another good performance for Narita. and perfect unit for him, everything about it. And I, I, I can't say anything, you know, negative about his association so far with team strong style here, Minoru Suzuki and them as six man tag team champions. I love it.
1: Yeah. And it's, uh, if, uh, Shibata is not going to be wrestling in new Japan, which for whatever reason seems to be pretty apparent, uh, you know, you've got, kind of the next best stand-in is Minoru Suzuki, and then having Desperado as someone uh, that Narita can depend on as well. Yeah, it works. It's different. Again, it it speaks to the different things that New Japan is trying right now. I mean, I, again, (laughs) this match at the House of Torture, I know there's like this this thing right now where some people are like, oh, the House of Torture is actually good. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Not, I have zero time for matches like this, I guess. You know, they, they didn't win the six-man tag titles, so that's a positive. But to me, if you're picking and choosing a title match uh, and you don't have to watch everything for a podcast, I would not watch this. It's uh, Some people, I guess, are amused by evil hiding in the crowd. Um, whatever. This was a House of Torture match. The thing I was far more interested in, uh, both on this show and the show prior, is just five guys group and as ridiculous of a name as that is particularly uh, to those of us in america that know of the fast food chain of the same name new japan has something with these guys the entrance with each of them coming out uh in a different spot in the arena the new music uh, it all building to sonata coming out with the new japan cup trophy they have something there more than i think people realize and Man, I still am not convinced that they're going to do it. But after seeing these two shows, I am more convinced than ever that they should do it. Sonata needs to win the championship this weekend. We need IWGP World Heavyweight Champion Sonata.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. You know, for all of the reasons that we've talked about before, when you go through these types of lengths, why again and you if you don't put the belt on him, you know, he ain't Cody. We you know, we we don't need another redemption arc from the redemption arc when it comes to Sonata. <laughs> we've had enough of that. We've had enough of him being up to the top, we've had it portrayed in storylines that he's just he's just not there. That's what this whole thing is being based on. It's time for it. And I don't know if if people are not realizing it because it seems to be at least when it comes to English language fans, they've picked up on it and they're rolling with it. The entire group, not Sonata necessarily as IWGP champion, but as far as just five guys as a group, you know, it is picking up steam and they and team strong style. Again, both units and I can see, and I know a lot of people won't like this who are AEW fans, but look, you give me Team Strong style against the Blackpool Combat Club. I think it matches oh, up very amazing. nicely. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's perfect when you have Narita and Yuta. And again, you, odds are Daniel Bryan will be wrestling a different match when it comes time for Forbidden Door. But,
1: but what will Bryan Danielson be doing? That's the question.
0: Well, that the thing is, look, Claudio and Moxley and Yuta in a six person, absolutely, I could yeah. see it, although I could see them wanting to use Moxley as a solo. But... Brian Danielson. I mean,
1: I cannot we get see S J match.
0: Well, that I can't see any way where he's not in a singles match against a Zach Sabre jr. Or let's just say higher, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, it, it will be interesting. Cause again, I, I, I would love to see that happen. And I think the next time and we'll see it coming up here in DC in a couple of weeks. And, and when new Japan comes back over, what kind of reaction, you know, those guys get depending on who comes over from the group.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'll be very interested to see from a live perspective uh, what the reaction of just five guys is. Also Taichi, because we really never see him come over. Um, The one thing I'm fairly certain of whether Sonata wins or not is I would be shocked if in the next year and probably a shorter uh, time period than that, Uh, If Sonata and Taichi don't win the tag team titles, I could very easily see them being, you know, tag champs that, you know, can main event shows. I I could see Sonata and Taichi against Okada and Tanahashi being, you know, uh, a main event for an arena in Japan that would normally just have a a big singles match main event.
0: That was disappointing just in the fact that it went eight and a half minutes.
1: Yeah, Sonata and Taichi against Okada and Tanahashi. Yeah, it was, you know, it was just, it was... It was a
0: taste, and obviously, you know, Tanahashi gets the victory. It it was to build more towards, obviously, Okada and Sonata, but it was like, yes, give me this for 25,
1: please. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. It was almost more of an angle than a match. The big thing coming out of it was Okada has been, you know, trying to bait Sonata to to do something, to get more vicious, and Sonata obliged him here and hit a a pile driver on the floor uh, and then locked on the skull end, and as all that was going on, uh, Tanahashi pinned a distracted Taichi uh, with a roll-up. So that that was one of the main news things to come out of the show on the third. And then also, you mentioned the six-man tag title match. Afterwards, Narita threw out a challenge to Okada for Okada to pick two partners and go after the six-man tag title. So that will be coming at some point. I would imagine it will be Okada, Tanahashi, and someone against uh, the Strong Style Trio. Ishii? Yeah, the, oh man, that would be something. I wouldn't mind that at all.
0: And I hate to say, it would be, you know, does Ishii take the L there? But in all likelihood, yes. But the match itself would be fantastic. So yes, good. And that's another thing. If Sonata's got that title, Okada can uh, obviously not then work with anybody. But you know, it does free him up where you can, on a show that is in a smaller building or, or something like that, put him in there with a... I don't want to say an Oscar, <laughs> an Oscar, or a uh, or a Bolton, or somebody like that, but at least in tag matches, maybe with those guys, where again, you get to see one of the greatest wrestlers in the history of the world, you know, go out there and work. Not
1: the worst thing in the world. No, no, I I 100% agree. There's a lot of there's a lot of options. There's a lot of different things you could do in New Japan right now, and it's just it's very refreshing after so long where it just felt like the same thing over and over and over again shuffling around maybe a name or two of guys that had all been in the same stables having the same matches for a long long time it finally feels like we're you know like we've been shaken loose from that um that that all kind of culminates what we've seen for the first three months or so culminates in secure genesis which takes place uh, really in less than 24 hours right now, if you're listening to this podcast shortly after it goes up. Um, but yeah, we've we talked about the card uh, in, in recent weeks, but it's worth briefly going over again. We've got a special Grand Prix-winning commemoration, special six-man tag team match. Participants will be announced as their music hits, but you can kind of guess from who isn't on the card as we run down the uh, the list here who might be in this. I wouldn't expect any big shocking names but after that we've got jeff cobb aaron hanari and francesco akira against the house of torture uh, which i guess could be the house of torture winning and getting yet another never open weight six man tag title shot maybe it would be uh the uh, united empire winning and they get a six man tag title shot but really considering uh, narita's challenge to okada to find partners this is probably just a card filler and not much else
0: Which is a little disappointing to me because I am a big Jeff Cobb fan, and my choice would be, okay, look, if you're not going to give Aussie Open the tag team titles, stick them with Jeff Cobb, put them in a feud for the six-man tag team titles, but that doesn't look to be the way that they would go, but Jeff Cobb, Aaron Hanari, and Francesco Akira challenging for those titles, and I'll actually go the other way, I'll actually pick them over evil Yujiro and Show, even though I I know I'm going to be wrong, just so in my mind I can fantasy book out that match against Suzuki and Desperado and uh, Shota Umino, and again it, that would be that would be more beneficial and and much more uh, uh, aesthetically pleasing in my mind than another House of Torture match.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. It's also interesting. You look at the first. Three matches on the card, particularly the first two matches after that, uh, the mystery six man. And there isn't necessarily a ton of story there. And I I feel like usually on these big New Japan shows where there isn't an obvious story, something surprising or shocking ends up happening. So I'm not saying it's going to. But when I look at these matches, I wonder if we're going to see a new member join one of these groups out of the blue um, as part of this. So just something to to maybe put a pin in after that it's naito shingo and bushi against three of the five guys it is taichi yoshinobu Kanemaro and doki again not a whole lot here um maybe somebody gets a surprise pin on shingo takagi uh, maybe i mean we've seen taichi and shingo a ton i wouldn't mind seeing it again but they did it a lot last year into this year uh, you know, maybe Doki gets a shock flash pin over Shingo and Doki picks a stipulation for a KOPW match.
0: Hey, that would be a nice gold watch for the you know year he had last year. Where you could, again, by the end of it, it was like, man, look at, look at Doki go. You know, all those jokes we made about him when he came in. But he certainly earned his stripes. This is the one where, yeah, the only thing I can really see coming out of this is a Shingo title defense. And I wouldn't mind seeing one against Kanemaru, even though I know that's probably going to bring back too much of the wacky in the bottle and things like that when it comes to a stipulation. But if they're actually wrestling, you know that match is going to be good. I think if we're going to see somebody debut for a group, you know, I hate to say it, I'm looking at match four with Tamatanga, Hikaleu, and Master Wato against Finley, Kenta, and El Fantasmo, and you go, well, if you want to make a bigger impact for bullet club. You do something there. If you bring somebody in that Finley is now recruited to be in with the group. So regardless of whether they do that or not, there's going to be a bunch of interference surely and a bunch of nonsense. And I just hope, you know, frankly, it's over quickly.
1: Yeah. My, my wacky prediction is that somebody knew, I don't know who that would be, but somebody new comes in uh, to join bullet club and Finlay and Kenta Beat down El Fantasmo. He's excommunicated from the group as they have, uh, you know, strongly been hinting. It's more than just hinting at the dissension between Finlay and Fantasmo. And then El Fantasmo eventually joins and it becomes just six guys. It, you know, I was going to ask you, is he a babyface? Oh, I think he's 100% a babyface at this point.
0: Especially if Will Ospreay is going to be out for a while. I mean, it's not a one for one by any means, but I mean, man, I can see people
1: loving LP. I mean, they've been, I mean, even as a heel, he's basically been a baby face for the last few months. Um, and yeah, I think particularly the Japanese fans seem to be very, very much ready. To fully latch on to him as a guy uh, that they can cheer. Yeah,
0: From Jump Street, far more troll baby face than hardcore heel, even from day one. So <laughs> yes. it's going along in the way that it, it should be. Now, obviously, for you, surely the IWGP Women's World Championship match is going to be uh, interesting, is going to be nail biting for you, because I know Zumi Hazuki in mercedes <laughs> two of those three women i think you'd like to see walk out with the title and i don't know if you're going to get your wish
1: oh it's i i would love to see azumi win i would love to see hazuki win there's a zero percent chance of either of those things happening unless there's an unfortunate injury during the match that causes that to happen um you know, it's going to be Mercedes Monet and Mayu Iwatani for the uh, the IWGP Women's Title coming up uh, on the 23rd at Stardom. I'm, I'm barely convinced of that. Um, I'm just super interested to see how this match goes. I mean, we Izumi and Hizuki are are both obviously great. Um, can wrestle the high speed style. Are very familiar wrestling each other. Mercedes Monet, she's great as well. We, we saw her uh, after the long layoff have, have a really strong a really strong performance against her. But this match is a completely different animal uh, and I'm sure they're going to be working together prior to this match and I, I have no doubt that she can keep up uh, to a, a fairly decent degree but still like this is to me of any match that she is going to have in this uh, this run, however long it lasts in New Japan/ slash stardom, uh, this is the, uh, the match whether once it have happened, ones that are announced or ones that are rumored, the one that I find the most fascinating just from an in-ring perspective uh, for Mercedes Monet. I, like, like you said, I, I'm convinced she will win this.
0: Yeah. The only way she's not is if, I mean, I, and, and in that case, I guess it would be a zoomy. you know, it would make more sense and, and be the, the bigger matchup for Mayu. But yeah, unless Mercedes is saying I'm going to be gone for a while because I want to go do this and that, There's absolutely no reason to take her, you know, take the title off of her. And this just, again, on a show like this, it's made to set up for the the stare down at the end, you know?
1: Yeah, well, for sure. When you look at uh, every length, which we'll get to in a few minutes, that Stardom is going to to make the show on the 23rd the biggest show they've ever done and one of the biggest shows uh, in Japan or in the world this year, you know, if if you have access to Mercedes Monet, there's a there's a zero percent reason. There's no reason to not uh, to not have her on that show against Mayo Iwatani. That's the biggest match they can put on that show uh, for that title. And so, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty convinced that'll happen.
0: New Japan World Television Title, Shota Umino, Zack Saber Jr. I can see a great match. I can't see Shota Umino walking away with the title. doesn't really make any sense to me.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Shota Umino got the victory in the New Japan Cup, maybe the best match of the New Japan Cup tournament, one of them anyway, uh, the best match of, of Umino's career, and kind of really sparked what, to me, felt like a turnaround after that that awful match against Tetsuya Naito uh, not that long prior to that. Uh, He's been on fire since then. I fully expect this will be great. Again, 15-minute time limit, so you're going to have a a high pace to this. Uh, But, yeah, I, I don't think we're seeing Umino get his first title yet. I think when he wins his first championship, it's not going to be something like the World TV title. I almost think his first singles championship in New Japan is going to be the IWGP World Heavyweight title whenever that is. Uh, and so, yeah, it's going to have to wait a little longer for some gold, uh, as odd as the world TV title gold is, he's not going to have it just yet.
0: See, I thought you were going to say the never open weight title. I could actually see that happening before yeah, the IWGP title, That's but true. I I believe me, I know it, look in their mind. I'm sure that's probably what they were thinking from day one is an IWGP heavyweight champion, but we'll see how that goes. Tag team titles, Hiroki Goto, Yoshihashi against Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis in a different World, yeah, I would look at Goto and Yoshihashi. Well, they won the titles in January. There's still a lot of teams that could be put together that they could face that could be good. But I've been on this Fletcher and Davis train for too long, and you know the matches with FTR, every performance that they've had in tag matches, Davis and singles matches, obviously getting the uh, taking the opportunity when Will Ospreay did get hurt. I mean. Man, to me, put the titles on them and have Goto and Yoshihashi chase them for it because I I just think it would be the right time.
1: Yeah, I I it, it 100% feels like the right time for Aussie Open to win. Whether it be uh, them not winning the titles last year, not winning Tag League, um, and then you know they've they've had great matches but come up short. Whether it be for the uh, uh, for the ROH Tag Titles, um, you know in different scenarios they have found themselves in. Uh, it feels like their time. The only caveat I would give is if Sonata is not winning the world title, it feels to me like the natural thing would be Sonata and Taichi defeating Goto and Yoshihashi for the tag team titles. Um, but yeah, I think the most likely scenario is, uh, is Aussie Open winning, kind of taking the titles around the world a little bit and, and making some defenses, whether it be an AEW, uh, ROH, RevPro, wherever.
0: Moromo Takahashi has held the IWGP junior heavyweight champion 78 times. Uh, <laughs> and I love Robbie Eagles. You're a big Robbie Eagles fan as well, too. You know, him just coming back relatively recently would probably be a little bit of a tell that he would not win the junior heavyweight championship. Uh, you know, I you can make a case both ways as to why it is more valuable on Hiromu right now, especially you could keep it on him all year leading right into the dome for a main event match on one of the two nights next year. Who knows? But I would love to see Rob Eagles win the title and just be a, a different presence with the belt because Hiromu Takashi is one of the ultimate examples along with his stable mate Tetsuya Naito where they don't necessarily need titles to be incredibly popular in main event you know, situations or semi-main event slot situations. So, you know, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but boy, I would love to see the title on Robbie Eagles just to have something different again.
1: I actually think it is going to happen. I will predict that the newly minted TMDK member Robbie Eagles will also be the newly minted IWGP junior heavyweight Champ. And to your point... I'm going to make a comparison that I'm sure feels very natural. I think Hiromu Takahashi is a lot like Dusty Rhodes in that there's uh, – he's – not that he's not a great champion, but it seems like they far more value him as the guy chasing the title than necessarily having the long title run. He's He's very valuable in terms of – you know, winning the best of the Super Junior and then winning the title or, you know, losing the title and then going into uh, the Tokyo Dome and winning the belt at the Tokyo Dome. So, you know, I, I would not be shocked at all if Robbie Eagles wins. They seem to, you know, the, TMDK is a group that, you know. Up until, like, whatever, last year really wasn't a thing in New Japan. And whether it be, uh, you know, the push they gave to Jonah before he left, then putting in Zack Sabre Jr., who's a very valuable wrestler in New Japan, making him the leader of that group, now putting Robbie Eagles there. uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he wins the gold.
0: You don't want to starve somebody, but if people are into the chase, then exactly. you Hiromu can lose, and if people are just as apt to cheer for him, if, if maybe even more as part of the chase, as opposed to to holding the championship, you lose nothing by putting that title on Eagles. So IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, Kazuchika Okada, Sonata. Very simply, Sonata should be the one to take this. It gives Okada a chance to chase, puts him in a little bit of a different position. It, It amplifies Sonata for all the reasons we've talked about over the last couple of weeks. It just, to me, makes all the sense in the world.
1: Uh, yeah, 100%. It also gives Okada the chance to uh, maybe go around the world a little bit more than he has. Yeah. It just frees him up to do different things. We've seen more of him teaming with Tanahashi. You know, maybe uh, we get a big uh, you know, we get a big match with Aussie Open if they win the tag titles against Tanahashi and Okada, main eventing a, a show that would normally be main evented by a, a singles uh, title match. There's a lot of different things you can do. Um, Okada is sort of the forever champion in New Japan. Even when he doesn't have the belt, you still think of him as the IWGP champion. So he's obviously, he's not going to lose anything here. But this will, if it happens, absolutely make Sonata, you know, for the next 10 years, even if he only has a defense where he makes, you know, one or two successful defenses and and drops it at some point in the summer or, or coming out of the G1. Uh, you know, to me, we've talked about it before. I would have him win here. I would have him hold the title and then drop it before Wrestle Kingdom, have him drop it uh, you know, in October, uh, maybe after uh, after the G1, but it he needs the belt. Um, yeah, I, I, I know I'll be watching this uh, very tense. I'll, I'll have a strong rooting interest <laughs> in this match for sure.
0: And then we got a month to go before we get to Wrestling Duntaku. That's when the uh, the road to Wrestling Duntaku will kick off on May 1st. So... Also, you know, as a part of that tour, although I guess technically not an official part of that tour is Hiroki Goto's 20th anniversary that's going to be coming up. And it's not like you have to take the titles off of him so we can have a singles match on that show. But I think it also kind of leads into, yeah, I could see them losing the tag titles just because I could see Goto having his 20th anniversary match against the guy he had his very first match with, which is Rice K Taguchi, because he's still on the roster. And at the the very least, he could have it with Toru Yano because he's still on the roster. So I would (laughs) Or they could do... (laughs) They could do
1: Goto and Yoshiashi against Taguchi and Yano. Yano, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Or the tag belts.
0: Absolutely they could. So it it stays uh, very chaos-heavy there for what's probably going to take place. And that's coming up on April 22nd. So... I'm not sure how much more there is to really get into when it comes to new Japan. We talked about Clark Connors, you know, being signed up again and really again, it just comes down to this weekend and from there we'll take it.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. I think with the, uh, the limited amount of time we have left, we should talk about, uh, what's going on with stardom as they head towards the Cinderella tournament final, because there's, there's quite a bit happening. Uh, we should also just quickly mention by the way that the, uh, all Japan champion carnival gets going this weekend, uh, as well at Cork and Hall. Uh, Kento Miyahara, Yuma Aoyagi, which is always awesome. I would say that's the uh, the biggest match on that show. Also, uh, Suwama against uh, Yuma Anzai, which will just be very interesting in that uh, you know, Yuma Anzai, we've seen him get some big wins, bigger than you normally expect for a rookie. Uh, we've talked about how it's clear that he's the guy going forward. And so seeing what he does uh, in this tournament... Um, you know, it, it's kind of wide open when you look at who's in his block, uh, Suwama, Shuji Shikawa, Shotaro Ashino, Takao Omori, Hokuto Omori, Rei Saito, uh, and Manabu Soya are the others. It's kind of clear for him to come through and maybe make it to the final, which would seem shocking to some people. So that's that's what I'll be looking out for in the, uh, the early days of the Champion Carnival Tournament.
0: Yeah, we talk about Dragon Gate very little on this show uh, just for timing reasons. And by the way, that started, I'd say I still blame you for that because you wanted to get caught up on Dragon Gate. So we weren't really reviewing it because you wanted to stay unspoiled. And damn it, we fell out of the routine. But I'll take uh, that blame. That was a long time ago, too. So that we was probably fixed 15 years that.
1: ago.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Madoka Kakuta defeated uh, uh, Kota uh, Minora to uh, become the number one contender to the Open the Dream Gate title. So that match is now set up against Shun Skywalker that's going to be coming up. And uh, also a day before that on the Mochizuki-produced show at Shinjuku Face, Kenno and Shuji Kondo held on to the Open the Twin Gate tag titles over uh, Kizi and Big Boss Shimizu.
1: There you go. I plugged my ears, so I have no idea what the results of those matches <laughs> Just kidding. I did not. But I tried. I was just too slow on the draw. Um, (laughs) uh, With that, and I I did not actually try. Um, With that, a little bit of uh, of stardom news. The Cinderella tournament, uh, we had the quarterfinals this past weekend. And it certainly is an interesting mix. We talked about how uh, the path seems cleared for someone unexpected to win this tournament. And I think that that continues to hold true as we had... Wakasukiyama defeats Saki Kashima uh, with her same roll-up that she used to defeat Nanai Takahashi. So Waka is into the semifinals of the Cinderella tournament. We then had Mirai uh, get the win over Xena to move on to the, uh, the semifinals. Amisori defeated Natsuko Tora. And Mai Sakurai defeated Momo Watanabe. Mai Sakurai, <laughs> after, after this, After all the promo time she's been getting, I think she's going to win this tournament. And, oh, my God, her post-match promo was the funniest thing I've seen all year to the point to where even, like, her, her Donna DeMondo stablemates, Julia, Micah, were cracking up on the floor. As my sakurai is talking about all the peasants and commoners that came to the show, she's saying that like like the ugly businessmen shouldn't even look at her. Um, basically, she went full king booker and it was incredible.
0: <laughs> oh man, so wakasukiyama and my sakurai, you think in the
1: final? That makes well, sense to me, or you well, think it's Marai. Well, they're against each other in the semis. It's oh. my sakurai and wakasukiyama. And then the tag team partners and what will be a hoss uh, a fight for sure. Mariah versus Ami Sore in the other semifinal. I think we're going to get my Sakurai and Mirai in the final. And my Sakurai wins.
0: Yeah, I'll go ahead and ride with that. I got such a literal kick out of seeing what I thought was a kick in the ass. And I laughed so hard because Ami and Natsuko Tora came brawling out of the crowd came brawling out of the door. So it's like when the introductions came for Sakurai and Momo, yeah, I wasn't really expecting anything and Momo comes out and Mai comes out and I, I wasn't really paying attention and it looked like she kicked her right in the ass and it <laughs> kicked her up the aisle. Now it ended up being the back when I went back and watched it, but I laughed and laughed and laughed that she was taking it to her, took the bat. To, I, I loved it. I loved the whole thing. And the end, which is, uh, look, why you would do a Meteora on the, the ring apron if you're Momo, I, I don't know. But she hit it, and she was so proud. And then Sakurai just popped her hips, rolled her off, and you have never seen a happier woman than Julia running around oh my the God. Ring after it. And it was one of those things that like you could see it coming from a mile away. Because all of these matches, I mean, only Mariah and Zeno went 623, but all the other ones went less than five. So you figured it was probably going to be, you know, real, real short. And it was, but it didn't matter. It was it was perfect the way that it was done, even though you could kind of see what the finish was coming. And as soon as you started coming off the ropes, but it really it popped the crowd and it worked perfectly. And I liked all of those matches. You know, Zena is obviously the one that needs, you know, as it stands right now, kind of the the most work there. Uh, you know, I think of those eight women. But I thought I thought they looked everybody looked really good and. Like Ami, Sorhe, Mirai, Waka, Sakurai. In theory, if you're a fan of any of those four women, you can make a case for why they could win this.
1: Yeah. Especially for sure. Waka. I, well, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think it's a distinct possibility that she will, which is crazy to think given, uh, uh, you know, given the, the losing streak uh, heading into this tournament. But yeah, I think you could make a strong case for, for any of them. I mean, Mirai, wins it second year in a row and then goes on to maybe be the person to to finally unseat Sayaka Matani if Mina Shirakawa doesn't do that. Um, Wakasukiyama obviously she wins and there's built-in stories for any championship she wants to challenge for. Sore wins and that's a huge level up for her in her career. She kind of, um, while not the same stable, takes the spot of Himeika in the card as like this upper mid-card powerhouse who can step into a main event at any time or you know my soccer eye wins and continues the story of her you know her really incredible improvement um and, and kind of rockets up to being one of the top people in donna del mondo which i don't think anyone would have seen coming so there's yeah there's plenty of options there they're all they're all palatable uh, the other two the, the last two matches on this show were awesome we had uh, a make retirement road match which those have pretty much all been great uh, but it was Hamaka and Miyuki Takase, who's one of the most underrated wrestlers in the world, uh, against Natsupoy and Kikaro Sekiguchi. 15 minute draw, but just great nonstop action. My takeaway from this was, even if it's just for a couple months in the Five Star Grand Prix, we need more of Takase in stardom. Uh, people need to see more of how great she is. You know, she's come over and done a few shows in the U.S. I believe for DPW, um, but she's so so good. Um, it, pretty much wrestling everywhere over the past couple of years in Japan. I'd love to see her get a chance to, uh, to wrestle in front of the, you know, the largest audience as possible in Stardom.
0: And good reactions for both Takase and Sekiguchi. What'd you yes. think about Sekiguchi and Natsapoi as a team?
1: I thought they were great. And I thought the crowd was definitely uh Sekiguchi just, it's, it's a different vibe than what you get from in Stardom a lot of the times, like watching her, uh, you know, I don't know. I had big, like Akino vibes from the early two thousands. Uh, uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the things that I think has been interesting. I think a lot of people thought, well, you know, stardom. They have so many new fans that when you bring in people that haven't been there or haven't been there in a long time, that the fans uh, maybe wouldn't be as familiar with that they aren't going to know how to take to these wrestlers. And for the most part, that hasn't been an issue. And I didn't think it was here either. I um, would love to see more of her as well. And I'd love to honestly, I'd love to see. We're not going to get it because is retiring, but I'd love to see a, a rematch of this with a longer time limit, because the 15 minutes that we got were great.
0: Man, the early 2000s. I wonder what I Fujita is doing right now.
1: Yeah, there's so many of those people. Uh, well, one of them uh, that, that I uh, profess my undying love for as a wrestling fan in terms of them and their in-ring ability, uh, Momo Nakanishi, uh, who we've talked about, uh, is a great influence on the in-ring style of Starlight Kid, Momo Nakanishi has been announced for the battle royal that will open uh, the big show coming up on the 23rd.
0: But did Ayako Hamada get that call?
1: She, I don't think, did or will, sadly.
0: (laughs) No, though. I did see her name back in the mix, I guess, in Mexico, which, again, that took me back to... Arceon too. I always said Arison. Uh, I know because uh, I'm a dumb American like that. But I like that promotion. <laughs> it was it was such a blip in time because again it was such a blip in time. But if you, I th- I think it's actually a lot of it's probably available on YouTube. But if you want to go back and see what exactly the bridge was between all Japan's women and and you know all of that you know the golden era into where we're at now, I mean. Really, that was one of the, the best bridges uh, that was out there at the time. Artist of star- stardom title: Risa Sara, Suzu Suzuki, and Kurumi Haragi. Look, you talked about you know a vibe change. Man, prominence is a great vibe change in stardom. And Hayashida, Saye Kamyatani and Izumi. Hayashida is the one. Eats the German suplex. Eats another one with the roll up. Suzuki gets the victory over her. They retain the titles again. And Suzu Suzuki and, and Utami Hayashishida in a singles match again? I'm all
1: for it. Yes, please. This match was awesome. Again, don't let this get uh, get lost in the shuffle of just so much happening in wrestling over the past week. This was great. Uh, you had uh, the prominence team really not doing any hardcore stuff or even really any brawling. This is a straight Three on three pro wrestling match. Uh, the stuff, particularly between Suzuki and Izumi, there was one maybe 20 second sequence between them that was just incredible. That had me dying for a, uh, a high speed title match between the two of them at some point. And then the finishing stretch, as you mentioned, with Suzuki and Hayashida. Uh, you know, maybe on paper it's a bit surprising that Hayashishida would be the one to drop the fall, but you know, she's she's not a single champion. Both Kamatani and Izumi are. And clearly, they are not building to uh, Suzu Suzuki getting a title shot against either of them. So really, the only option was Hayashishita losing uh, to Suzuki uh, afterwards. And by the got- way, shame on me.
0: I shouldn't have said again uh, because they have not faced off one on one yet, which again makes it even you know more juicy the thought of them going at it
1: yes yes and hopefully well it would be great to see them you know in a in a cinderella tournament match at some point or even more so in a five-star grand prix match i want the two of them wrestling in a big major show singles match with the title on the line where it gets a little bit more time uh, i'm very interested to see where things go with haya shishida like what what's the next thing that she gets her chance to really sink her teeth into because since losing the title there hasn't been uh, there hasn't been a whole lot but Coming out of this, we got yet another exciting announcement or reveal for the big show on the 23rd as Kyrie came out and announced her two exes to go after the Artist of Stardom titles coming up on April 23rd. One is Natsupoy, which shouldn't be a shock considering uh, their relationship going back. Uh, Natsupoy with her Kyrie tribute gear that she would wear on occasion. But the second partner, the third person to make up that team. A big shock and really uh, to me after Maya Yukihi, the next person as far as the like wow, I did not expect to see them ever in stardom again Sariano, uh, who we've seen a lot in Ice Ribbon as of late uh, holding their major championship doing a bunch of different things uh, kind of being one of the darlings around the scene but Sarriano will team with Kyrie and a point a challenge for the Artists of Stardom titles against uh, against prominence. Uh, she's on the cover of Weekly Pro this week. I'm not 100% clear whether this is just a, a one-off deal, a freelance deal, or if she's coming into Stardom full-time or somewhat full-time. But, man, that's one of the last big shoes to drop as far as someone coming into Stardom from the outside.
0: Yeah, that's true. And, again, Stardom right now, the place to be realistically unless you're in Tokyo Joshi Pro obviously (laughs) you know but you know other than that and you know with with it wasn't all that long ago that she dropped the Ice Ribbon title so I don't know I don't keep up with Ice Ribbon and their storylines uh very closely you know other than the results but you know certainly clears her up to hang out if you know for as long as she wanted to when it comes to to stardom so I thought that reveal was pretty cool too. You know, I don't know how much the crowd knew, you know, the way that Suzu Suzuki and the way the prominence played it off. I thought it came across really really well. So, that's all a big W there. I I I do wonder since you you didn't mention, you know, you think wonder what's next for Ai Shishida? Do you think they actually have for her Kind of on ice right now, just kind of waiting for the winner of Mayu and Kairi and kind of maybe, you know, putting her in that position because, again, of her, she's one of the women that if you look in a Pro Wrestling Illustrated or something like that, even if you're not a big Japanese women's wrestling fan and follow it very closely, she, like Julia, like Saya, again, Kairi, these are names that at least people know the name Utami Hayashishida. Could that possibly be a Yeah, obviously the match is a, you know, within the realm of possibility, but do you think that could be, you know, realistic here in the next uh for the next match after Iwatani and and, and Mercedes, no matter who wins it?
1: Yeah, I I I mean it, it would be a big match either way. I mean, if it's if it's Maya Iwatani's first defense against Hayashishida, you know, it's it's outside of tournaments. It's been a long time since they've had a big singles match, so that would clearly be a thing. And then yeah, if you're looking for uh, if uh, if Mercedes comes out of the month of April still as the IWGP World Champion, you're looking, or as the IWGP Women's Champion, and you're looking for another big name for her to wrestle, um, that uh, Shida would clearly uh, fit the bill. Uh, you look at the card, which is really coming together for All Star Grand Queendom on April 23rd. Uh, we mentioned the Yokohama Rumble, the Battle Royal that Hatemomo nakanishi will be in. The second match is what Itami Haya Shishida is listed as being in for that show with uh, her teaming with Miyu Amasaki against Fuwa-chan, the big uh, mainstream star, the YouTuber who had that shockingly good performance several months back. It is Fuwa-chan and X against Hayashishida and Miyu Amasaki. So a, a match that to, I think, hardcore wrestling fans or particularly Western wrestling fans maybe feels like a bit of a, a downgrade for her. But from a a mainstream perspective in Japan, that that's probably the match that will have the most eyes on it. So maybe not a uh, a terrible place for her to be in on the 23rd. I
0: bet you Jim Valley booked that one. He's a <laughs> big fan of it. And you know what? For exactly the reasons that you mentioned. Number one, she hasn't didn't embarrass herself last time. You know no. what I mean? So it's like you know the performance, like I don't. You don't have to love it, but you can't be bearish going into it. You know, it's got to to me, that's just one of those things that's going to be better for everybody. Unless, again, it would really have to be bad, you know, for it to be some sort of black mark,
1: which it it definitely won't be. It'll it'll be fine and it'll (laughs) be fun uh, quickly. And we'll have a lot of time to uh, to get into the show as we get closer to it. But the card as it stands now. For All Star Grand Queendom is insane. We talked it's about it's awesome. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's going to be the show of the year. Uh, after that, there it's Thekla, Mariah May, Zena, and X. Got several X's on this show, but it's that that group against Natsuko Tora, Momo Watanabe, Saki Kashima, and Rowaka. Then it's Starlight Kid and the returning former Mayu Hazuki. Uh, now I assume under her married name of May Sarah taking on Mesa Ruga and X. So we're going to get more Starlight Kid. We're going to get Starlight Kid Mesa Ruga uh, exchanges. So sign me up for that.
0: I'm good with that. I'm, I'm completely fine with that. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> After that, we've got Jamaica versus Micah in Jamaica's retirement match. You'll have that uh, uh, that post-retirement match as part of that uh, that wave show in conjunction with Bushi Road fight. After this, but this is the proper retirement match for Himeika versus Micah. Goddesses of Stardom title match tag team titles. Nani Takahashi and Yu against Mariah and Amisore. We talked about the Artists of Stardom uh, Trios Championship with Prominence against Kyrie Natsupoi and Sariano. Shuri versus Chihiro Hashimoto. Yes, uh, please. That's fourth from the top to give you an idea of how loaded this card is. Uh, we'll then have, as we talked about, uh, the winner the, uh, of the mercedes monet hazuki izumi match. Uh, so mercedes Monet will be defending the IWGP women's title against Mayo Iwatani. Then we've got Saya Kamitani and Mina Shirakawa for the white belt, the winner of the uh, You know, The long build to that after Kamitani destroyed Shirakawa's face uh, with that Phoenix splash uh, several months ago. And then the main event, Oh, my God, this might be the most violent non-death match in professional wrestling history. Julia against Tam Nakano. If you have not watched the end of the press conference from earlier this week, <laughs> oh, my God, stop the podcast now. Watch it. Julia and Hey, Tam. you don't have to do that. That's the
0: picture I actually have selected that is going to be. <laughs> you're probably staring at it right now if you're looking at your phone uh, listening to the show.
1: Well, there you go. you at least have a sense of what this was in still form, but... You got to watch this. Julia beating the hell out of Tam Nakano, busting her open with a headbutt, screaming, yelling, blood. This feud going back several years, uh, culminating, uh, the first leg of it culminating in the hair versus hair match. And now what we're going to see here, I don't know that people are fully prepared for how wild this match is going to be. I cannot wait. I have already named this the match of the year. Before seeing it, <laughs> just based off of the post match uh, at uh, in Kyoto, the uh, uh, the press conference, the Twitter back and forth, the in ring will certainly live up. This is going to be incredible.
0: Yeah, they're in the span of eight days. They're going to be kicking a whole lot of ass <laughs> coming up here. So
1: well, yeah, because you got on the fifteenth is the final. Uh, of the Cinderella tournament plus Shuri versus Konami UWF uh-huh. pools.
0: Well, and that's yes, and I love that, and I love the last uh, eight eight person that they have with the DDM Yokohama Arena skirmish, yes. which is Julia, Micah, Himeka, and, the- and Thecla against uh, uh, Nakano, Natsupoi, Mina, and Saki, and I feel bad for Saki in this, but you know, I have a feeling that Mika is going to end up. Taking the victory on the twenty third although I would love to see somebody actually win one of their retirement matches that's you know not a Noki or something like that, actually, even he didn't win his last one, did he, regardless uh I'd like to see at least in this match, you know Himika gets the victory over whoever it is, Saki would make the most sense and you know have one last win before she rides off into the sunset,
1: yeah, she hasn't been getting many of them, if anything. I would say maybe she'll get the win on that that wave uh, show that she's doing after her official retirement. But, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'd like to see at least one feel-good win on the way out the door. Speaking of on the way out the door, that's what we have to do right now, Mike. It's time to go. It's time to end this show. I'll just quickly mention that the final episode of Season 4 of Wrestling at Random uh, over on the free feed, com or wherever you get your podcasts – uh, that went up last Sunday featuring uh, me and both of our close longtime personal friend Jeremy Deamer, uh talking with him. Uh, it's just me on the show, but it's both of us are his friend. That's, that's <laughs> yes. the clarification there. Uh, but me and Jeremy talking about the Clash of the Champions from 1991, main evented by Ric Flair versus Scott Steiner. Uh, Lee Scott being a terrible referee is a focal point of that show as well. Uh, That's up there. Our Patreon feed continues throughout the season break. Uh, The episode that just went up features WrestleMania 14. That's right. Steve Austin versus Shawn Michaels, Undertaker versus Kane. Uh, You can listen to us talk about that. uh, at patreon.com slash wrestling at random. You can support the show there.
0: Patreon.com slash Mid-Atlantic podcast. If you'd like to support me or the Mid-Atlantic championship podcast for Patreon supporters, the brand new edition of the Mid Atlantic Championship podcast should be up there by Sunday morning, Easter morning at the latest. That'll be available for them. It'll be on the free feed some point after that. And if you're you're not familiar, go ahead over to midatlanticpod.com uh, and, and you can check out the archives for free of the shows that I've done. Uh, I'm not sure how I feel about Twitter right now, so don't try to follow me there. But the Instagram is kicking again for Mid-Atlantic Pod as well as the Facebook page. So Mid-Atlantic Pod, almost anywhere that you go, BlackWrestling.com, uh, Black Blackwrestling Podcast on their Patreon, Bulls in a China Shop, my friend and Vin Forte over there. Pay the one, pay the 10, whatever it is, come on in. Also Wrestling Observer Live every day as well as the wrestling news which I'm about to put up right now because it is about 530 in the morning and that's why we got to get out of here because we have work to do but every day free focused without conjecture without rumor everything you need to know from the world of wrestling in one little digest form between five and 15 minutes every day get you caught up get you going get you on your way so we need to get on our way right now adam thank you very much and everybody out there listening i almost said we should talk to you again after a while should i do that (laughs) i don't think anyone else says that so i think you're good (laughs) we shall talk to you again after a while